0: Hi, Simon. Welcome to the Creative Operation Podcast by Artworkflow. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners in our community?
1: Thank you. Yes, my name is Simon Everett. I'm currently a Creative Operations Consultant, but I've been working in the creative industry for over 35 years now, starting in a studio, uh, varying different roles from very traditional background through to what is obviously a largely technology-driven industry.
0: Uh, so, Simon, as you mentioned, you know, you have uh, 35 years in the spent in the creative industry and I don't think creative operations as a term or as a department existed when you started. So, why don't you walk us through, uh, you know, what were your some of your formative roles, what did creative operations look back 20 years ago, if you look back and how has it evolved uh, over the last two to three decades that you've been working in the
1: industry sure well I was I was kind of lucky and unlucky at the very beginning as a a, a newbie in the industry my uh, my boss went on holiday for he went on honeymoon for three weeks and the two guys and you know, a senior guy to me and we were basically given the keys to the business and I was told that I had to answer the phone Talk to clients, deal with suppliers, and, and the you know the management of the company. So in a way, that was my first foray into running a creative operation. Mm-hmm. Um, and but the real kind of breakthrough for me came in the early you know early noughties when I was working in an agency, Banner Corporation, and I had the opportunity to make a decision whether I wanted to go into a set up a studio. Mm -hmm. to go into art direction or go into creative direction and my my decision was to set creative studio up because that's where i felt i was more confident and it was like a gut feeling that's where i felt my real skill set lay thankfully my boss at the time said that was the right decision because he thought that was my strength as well so it kind of That was the first opportunity I had to actually set something up from scratch. You know, putting a team together, Mm -hmm. putting uh, processes together, workflows, setting up uh, supplier relationships and just delivering the job that I knew I had to do and, you know, being given direction from the boss as well. Mm -hmm. So that was the kind of the first kind of real foray into operations where I wasn't just responsible for doing a job myself, because I had my day to day job, but I actually had to make sure everything worked. And that included the IT side, communication side. So I was very lucky that I was kind of given the opportunity to go in the direction where I kind of felt, you know, was was, was where where my strength was.
0: Right. So you've worked with, you know, brands across the board, you know, different industries um, that you've worked. So how, uh, you know, how would you describe that? What is the kind of transformation, uh, you know, that previously inefficient creative processes and you know now with tools and technology how do you bring efficiency into you know these various kind of industries that you work with in the context of creative operations like you can describe it broadly and then maybe we can get into specifics of a couple of uh, such things
1: yeah the i mean the the way creative operations has evolved is you know obviously the technology you know originally there wasn't much technology but as things evolved you know whether it was you know we went from a traditional workflow to a pdf delivery workflow sending files down the telephone line then there was the automated workflow so you could just push command p and not only would it print something for you it would file it it would you know color manage it for you and so the the, the the evolution of technology has allowed creative operations to in, not just increase their efficiency, but also their capabilities as well. You know, mm-hmm. Again, in the early days, you know, uh, to have a team who were just focused on print, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you've got the digital content that needs to be supplied. That digital content was a combination of static and animation and video. All of a sudden you needed the technology to help you deliver animated content then there was you know the you know automation you know resizing dynamic content you know driven from a database what what technology has given us is there to be able to do more with the same or with less people Mm -hmm. and from doing things repetitively those boring jobs like saving PDFs into the right location or sending them to the right printer That's stuff that your team generally don't want to do. So if you create an automation process to allow them to do that, you know, they just hit one button and it goes off and they can get on, be more creative, you know, do work that they're more interested in. No one likes doing the boring, repetitive stuff. So technology's made those types of roles not so much redundant. They've taken the, the mundane stuff out the way because it, it ensures consistency for a start if nothing else and it then allows your own team to develop their skills and expertise and roles where they potentially want to go and that includes things like video animation as well as just kind of resizing or maybe it's a little bit more design rather than just being you know just being an art worker uh, in some respects so that's where i think the technology and the, and it's it's going exponentially now you know this the the, you know ai where can that take us it's it's still i don't think a lot of people know where it's going to take us but it's worth investigating if nothing else because again if it can make us more efficient if it can make a better product uh, if it can mean that we can make it more efficiently and sell it cheaper to our clients they're happier but there's also that level of you know how, how far does it go does it take jobs for instance you know I'm hoping it won't be I think what if anything it will do it will like other industrial revolutions of the past it will create different types of jobs
0: absolutely and,
1: and the boring stuff will just get set aside
0: absolutely so i think uh, you know from various chats that i've been having on this podcast and you know we've been talking about how ai can be more of a co-pilot for the creative industry rather than uh, you know being the industry itself there's a lot of lot more of creativity that can um, uh, that can be explored once all of the mundane tasks are taken out of the picture so now uh, you know Um, coming back uh, to your experiences any particular uh, project uh, or any particular implementation that you did in your across your career uh, you know could be a recent one could be an old one as well that you know you thought was a very transformative project and i ask this because you know we have had conversations uh, with creative ops professionals where they have mentioned that there isn't a lot of content out there for for them to learn from. So, you know, why don't you walk me through one of your projects? You don't have to I... take a name or anything, just like, you know, what was the problem statement, how you solved it and go about it?
1: Yeah, it's, just, it's a very simple project that I've, I've got in mind and it's a very recent project. I, I, I was asked by a, a, a CRM agency, Mm-hmm. to come in and help them build a creative process because they didn't have one.
0: Okay. And
1: what this meant was that the, the creative team weren't working in a consistent way. There was no control. And kind of more importantly, there was a lack of trust from the other teams on mm-hmm. the creative team, because because there was no control, there was, there was no consistent way of working. So I came in and I did a discovery phase with, with the agency. So I spoke not just to the creative team, but project management, account management, delivery, strategy, IT, and kind of got a picture of what the problems were from their perspective, not from the creative perspective alone, but from their perspective and what came out of that was a consistency issue there was no brief there was no formal way of booking work in and the big thing was the head of creative who was an incredibly talented very knowledgeable person in the crm space He knew a lot of a lot of technologies a lot of stuff mm-hmm. he was a bottleneck he was the problem in many ways you know he took on too much and <laughs> By taking on too much meant he didn't get work done, which meant he let down people. So from all this information, I kind of I, I drew out the main problems, presented it to the, the management team, mm-hmm. and on top of that, drew out a very simple process. They had three phases: concepting, design, and then HTML build. Mm-hmm. And just said, okay, now this is these are the phases of your projects. All we need to do is put steps within each phase and build in the you know, roles and responsibilities. So you have a briefing process which kickstarts, this is all in theory by the way, the briefing process kickstarts the project, The brief then helps put that project in, timings are agreed and then you allocate the tasks within the process to the individual. So. If there's a, a guy who's coming up with concepts and ideas, you build you breathe that in. You tell him when you need it. You then have an approval process. And when everything's approved, you go to the design stage. Again, that's booked in with an individual in the design team. They have a, a, a deadline to work to. They have a approval process to work to. And then when that's approved, it goes through to the next phase. And so on. And when I proposed the, the workflow, in principle, everyone Thought it was great but obviously there were some concerns about okay how are you gonna how does it work mm. they had a workflow very simple workflow tool that they were were using but they weren't again using it for all clients they mm-hmm. weren't using it properly they were using a free version of it as well which didn't help so I proposed that they buy some licenses that freed up more you know functionality for the, the technology and we effectively built their process in this workflow tool the tool itself was trello which is a relatively simple tool they they there was familiarity there so people you know when you introduce new technology the lead times a lot longer so because there was a bit of a time time was of the essence for me to get this up and running it's it's, what was familiar so majority of people knew trello they accepted it and then what we did is simply build nice little automation. So when one task was effectively completed, the person pushed a little button, say it's complete. It would automatically move it to the next task and notify the person who was in charge of that task. There you go. So at any one time, you know, the knock on effect was at any one time, anyone in the team, not just the creative team, project management, account management, delivery, could go right. and see exactly where all the projects that were booked into creative were at who they were with what the deadlines were and if there were any issues they would have chats within each of those projects mm-hmm. so the project is a they used a kanban style approach mm-hmm. so you had a project and that project literally moved from stage to stage on the kanban chart
0: Better. and
1: it, it wasn't rocket science it wasn't but what made it work was it was it was simple and it was clear and it meant that everything did the same it was all the same process there was no if there wasn't a need for design it was just an html build that's fine
0: Hmm.
1: you put the project straight into html but the process itself still required approval It still Hmm. everyone knew where it stood so that that for me was a, a really good and they gave me a recommendation on LinkedIn as well, which was lovely. Um, but that was a that was a really nice, simple project whereby you just took something that was chaotic and gave it some order. And faith in the creative team was restored. The head of creative has now got his workload properly managed. He, you know, he's, he's been able to delegate some of the approvals that he was taking on to some of his senior senior team. So. It helps the senior team then develop their skills and their progression you know if you don't give people the chance to grow in their jobs Mm. and they just live with frustration they will leave simple as that if you've got a happy team that are being given opportunities to develop skills experiences etc then the team as a whole becomes a better team and then the other departments think what a great team you are you know, it's it's simple, but and the, and also the, as a final thing, the process isn't set in stone. As things develop, as 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 needs change, there's always an opportunity to tweak the process, add things, take things away. You know, it's you know I'm I'm a firm believer in get it started, see how it works, and when things don't work, you change it. You know, you don't try and get everything perfect before you start. You, you, you move things forward. And, and then they haven't come back to me and said it's not working anymore, Simon. So um, hopefully, it's all hopefully it's all okay
0: that's that's interesting and so uh, you know i want to dive a little bit deeper into this particular project so for example you um, design everything you did the strategy you built the trello boards you built the entire process then getting their team to use it or you know the implementation part that we call or mm-hmm. the product adoption part right how do you go yeah. about that like how did you go about making sure that um, you know they're using um, the process and uh, and the boards that you build for them
1: well firstly you you, you build in time to train the team up
0: hmm. you
1: you make sure that you set the system up so everyone has the, the correct level of access so okay. if, if they are a designer and your system requires the type of our account they have to be a design account you, you make sure everything so you get everything in place and then right. you go through that training session and we did it team by team we trained up the creative team we made sure that the existing projects were put into the new system and everything was like sorted out in that respect so it wasn't a case of we had two systems running everything was moved across you then go through with the other teams and we know project management account account management was probably the most challenging because they all had their own clients so we had to make sure that we trained them up and then they could do that training in relation to the way they work with their clients because different clients have slightly different ways of working and and one particular client wanted access to the inner workings of the creative team which again I challenged the the team on was why is a client seeing how you guys are working like you shouldn't give client access to your backroom because when you have you don't want people to know you've got problems or issues or mistakes happening you Mm. just deliver to the client But we had a period of once we launched and we did have a a launch day is once we launched, I was then focused on seeing how those projects were going through, being on hand to answer questions like, oh, how does this briefing work again? How do I do? It's familiarity. You get everyone working on the system because if you train someone to do something and they don't do it for a week, they'll forget how they've done it. It's like any training, so we we did the training. Literally, you know, we'd already launched the system, so it's almost like live. We actually did a live briefing project with each of the teams, so they could actually then see their part of the process actually in action. And we just then monitored it. And when people had a problem, again, we could solve it. If there were any particular issues, we also had a um, a spreadsheet for recording particular issues because there are some issues you couldn't solve well, they may have come up with a suggestion Oh, is it can we do this please is there any way we can attach a file and send that on to the client and you would put these um, requests into a data into a, a spreadsheet I should say and that was for the head of creative to then review every let's say every month to say okay are there some features we can add here that will make it a better process but Implementing it was, you have to, as soon as you implement it, you have to have that time to make sure that you support the team. Hmm. And it wasn't just me, it was the whole creative team knew the process inside out, so anyone in the creative team Hmm. could help the team. But also we had champions in each of the other teams. So there was a champion in account management, project management. So from their perspective, there was a go-to person in their team who could also, solve some of those problems Hmm. or put those requests in if they thought there was a request needed
0: Hmm. great so um you know coming to the budgeting side of it and you know managing so many different stakeholders so uh, and you manage a lot of projects at scale uh, how how do you decide uh, or how do you keep yourself within budget and how do you allocate resources between internal, external vendors, agencies, and do you have like a qualification process for the same as well?
1: Going back to my days when I was head of creative studio at, at Hayes, as hmm. part of marketing there, it came down to planning. So as a, as a creative studio, I needed to know what was coming down the line, hmm. the types of projects, the skills that were required. And depending on the business, because obviously we work with 22 different business sectors in the company. So there was an accountancy and finance business, there was an education business, an IT business, all of whom had their own recruitment. It was a recruitment business. They had their own recruitment requirements, their own marketing plans to increase their businesses. Some of them had budget, some of them didn't. So there was also a priority because from a business perspective in the UK, there was, I was well aware of the business plan to promote the five key industries, which was engineering, uh, healthcare, education, Mm -hmm. IT and technology, and HR. They were the priority businesses. So when the projects were beginning to appear, you knew what you could prioritize and you knew what you couldn't prioritize. Mm -hmm. I would also then talk to the marketing manager as well as the business stakeholder and say, okay, well, you know, what kind of budget do you have? Because that will depend on what we can deliver for you. And and invariably we work with very tight budgets, but there were certain projects that were flagship projects. So the salary guide, every year we produced a salary guide and Mm. we knew when it was coming. And, you know, I always booked a freelancer in because it was one of those projects. They didn't work on anything else. There was this one big project we had a deadline that deadline was a hard deadline. could not move but i had a very experienced freelancer who i worked with for many years trusted him he knew how we worked so i could book him well in advance and make sure that i had the budget ready for him Mm. in that respect with the other stakeholders other businesses it really came down to how well were they working to their marketing plans because quite often when you work in an in-house environment someone will come up with an idea an opportunity to present at, a, at, a, at an event or to sponsor a local business uh, guild. And it, it did become a challenge at times, but generally speaking, it depended on what was required. If there was a need for better looking content, so animated content or video content, if your team don't have that capability, then you need to look to get that freelance talent in. If it's a bigger project and you're working with an agency, you just need to make sure that again, there's that what is the budget that we've got, and then you build that brief and you brief that agency in to work. Here's our budget, what can you produce for that budget? And but the and, and on top of just budgeting and resourcing, it's also any sort of resource, external resource needs management, you know. Whether it's an agency or freelance, you have to manage them. And that's another thing that can often decide whether or not you do bring a freelancer in. Because sometimes on some of these projects, actually, it's going to take you longer to brief somebody in if it's urgent than just to give your team, actually, we need to fit this job in, guys. Let's get it in. And they all understood that, you know, if we get external resources in, it's a cost that comes off your bottom line yeah so if it means you know we're spending less money then quite often if you've got a good team behind you they say no we can take that on ourselves Hmm. but obviously the other thing is to you know set up your capability you know your training programs to make sure that you can your team are more capable of Hmm. producing more and better and more sophisticated work as well so you're less reliant Hmm. and then all the freelancing side becomes and the agency side becomes really a matter of delivering something that you just need to deliver because you don't have enough time, you're you're maxed out. Hmm.
0: Got it. Interesting. So to summarize, you know, you would say two core things, which is one is the priorities of the overall business in terms of goals and yeah. industries. And second one would be the capabilities that you have internally, capabilities and bandwidth basically versus how much you want to outsource. Yeah.
1: And and having that vision, that's why the workflow tools that, you know, project management tools are so in, important. If you can see what your team are working on, you can see Mm. And, it, it, and even better if you can provide data to your boss to say this is how busy my team are if mm. they're working at 80 percent capacity or 90 percent capacity where i've worked in the past you've got evidence to say i need some resource because obviously a lot of people you know you you know i've worked for some tough bosses who said why you know why can't the team cope with it why don't you just give them you know give them more and tell them to work work later well it doesn't working everyone working late all the time doesn't work you know make for a good environment so you have to have that evidence to say this is how busy we are so having sort of project management you know using a system like that rather than working up a spreadsheet which i've had to do in the past you know it gives you that evidence to say look this is a time recording as well so you can see what time's being recorded so it gives you that evidence to say I need, we're, we're at maxed out, we need this help if you want to deliver this campaign.
0: Yeah, got it, interesting. So I think we are pretty much at the end of this conversation. Um, I didn't realize you know, how time passed with your oh, story. It quick, I, yeah. I do have a few uh, you know, rapid fire kind of questions uh, which mm-hmm. are more on the fun side. Um, so let's get on with them. Uh, so Simon, if there was one task uh, in the entire creative operation gamut that you absolutely hate and would like a machine to do it for you what would that be
1: one thing i really hate to do the year-end reviews were always uh, <laughs> a challenge for me because it i tried to do it on a regular basis but quite often getting that time with your team i didn't hate it it became because i it was more the responsibility I felt for doing it to make sure that your team were on track to do what you you know, you, you wanted them to do. So I always, it wasn't so much, I hated it. I felt the burden of responsibility because I knew how important it was. And also to kind of make sure you've got those, the objectives in place, that you are managing those objectives. They are fully right, and they're on track because it can sometimes lead to some very hard conversations. You know, there is one other thing is when yeah. mistakes happen, I, I, that was kind of being, having to spend the entire time working out how this mistake happened and mm-hmm. having to report that to your managing director or your marketing director. That was, that was always tough because it was always a case of, you know, I could do without this. You hated the fact that you'd made a mistake. You hated the fact that you'd let your team down. As a team let you know the wider team down, you know, mm-hmm. the fact that maybe you've cost the, the company money and you've also as a, as, a, as a team leader is how you're then perceived by your boss and that's the most important thing that in the boss you know sometimes these mistakes happen because you know something breaks, but sometimes they happen and you don't know why they happen and you struggle to work out how they've happened and you've got to work out how you tell the boss. So that was another aspect that I hated as well. But no one likes making mistakes, to be honest.
0: Funnily enough, these are the two things that I don't think can be automated by a machine. There's a no. huge human angle to giving feedback. <laughs> and one I hope day,
1: <laughs> one day maybe you can ask. AI, I hope not. <laughs> What the hell happened, to AI? But you never say never.
0: Yeah, you never know. know. God, it's very interesting. Um, if you had a time machine, where or which period would you go back to?
1: What even in my lifetime or any time? Any day? I'd like to go back to the sixties because it was a it was a real explosion of discovery, you know, for everything. You know, music changed, fashion changed, um, business changed, and also, you know, I come from a time when technology didn't rule our lives, mm. and there's also a nice, you know, sometimes you can think back on you know your, your early adult and think. How did we get from london to edinburgh back then without <laughs> google maps or the train lines on 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 a, on a mobile device but i think the 60s were the 60s for me i think was always a fun a real fun discovery decade um where everything just kind of became possible it became colorful um and you know from the dark days of you know the 40s and the 50s you know, the 60s really kind of exploded.
0: Interesting. Um, so I think that brings us to the end of our conversation, Simon. It was really nice having you uh, on the Artwork Flow podcast. And thanks again Thank for you. taking on the time. And I'm really, uh, you know, impressed by the energy and passion that you still have um after working for so many years in the industry so kudos to that and all the best no thank you
1: and you know I've, I've, i've been very lucky to work in an industry that i love you know simple as that you know so thank you for having me